The new generation in the WWF is widely considered a low point in wrestling history, and 1995 was absolute rock bottom, often bordering on unwatchable. The creative decisions during this time were uninspired, leading to a roster of forgettable characters and storylines. A series of terrible pay-per-views only cemented the WWF's reputation for being trash at the time. However, the aim of this video series is to sift through even the worst times in wrestling history to find the moments that shine. In this episode, we're delving into 1995 to uncover the diamonds in the rough. So before you write off 1995 as a complete disaster, let's explore these moments that are actually worth your time. Before we start today's video, if you like this kind of content, a thumbs up and a subscribe would be much appreciated. Kicking off our list is the Royal Rumble, the first pay-per-view event of 1995, and in a year that was rife with abysmal shows, this one is possibly the best. And by the way, ignore this terrible pay-per-view poster. Trust me, the event was far better than the marketing. As for the matches that make this show stand out, the tag team championship match that sees Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka face the 1-2-3 Kid and Bob Holly is really enjoyable. There's also an intercontinental title match with Jeff Jarrett taking on Razor Ramon, which proves to be one of Jarrett's early defining moments in the Federation. And of course, Ramon was a joy to watch around this time too, while he was still motivated. In the main event, the WWF Championship was on the line as Diesel squared off against Bret Hart in what turned out to be one of Diesel's better defences. The match was undermined by a non-finish and the men would have a better match later in the year, but it's still pretty good. And now, let's get to the Royal Rumble match itself. With Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog starting at numbers 1 and 2 and lasting until the very end, it showcased some serious endurance and athleticism. Michaels hanging precariously from the ropes before securing the win has become an iconic moment in Rumble history. The pairing of Owen Hart and Yoko Zuda came about thanks to Yoko's massive weight gain. His mobility in the ring was becoming increasingly limited and so pairing him with a technically sound wrestler like Owen was a great idea. Owen did the majority of the work in the team, while Yoko came in at opportune moments and squashed their opponents. At WrestleMania 11, Yoko returned to action for the first time since the 1994 Survivor Series. At the show, the men won the Tag Team Championship from the Smoking Guns, starting a 175-day reign with the titles. Owen Hart was in a transitional phase at this time too. His feud with Brett had cooled off, and he was in need of a new direction, and Yoko Zuna provided precisely that. The tag team division in 1995 was a sea of blandness, but Owen and Yoko were a real highlight. In 1995, we saw the debut of the In Your House concept, which totally changed how the WWF did pay-per-view. 
Previously, they presented a few big events every year, but now there was a pay-per-view every few weeks. They made this change for a couple of reasons. One, they needed the extra cash, and two, WCW had already started increasing their pay-per-view output. The in-your-house shows were cheaper and shorter than the existing pay-per-view specials, and this marked a pivotal change in how the WWF scripted their shows, moving from long-term storytelling to a month-by-month -month booking strategy. However, this transition was a little bit messy. The first few in-your-house events were pretty bad. The WWF really struggled to adapt their storytelling to this new, faster-paced schedule. The first in-your-house show was in May 1995, and it was not good. Mabel vs. Adam Bomb was especially bad. And the show also saw Todd Pettingill give away an actual house to one lucky fan. The In Your House shows would continue through the year and would be mostly trash, but they did give fans a lot more competitive matches to enjoy. The invention of In Your House was also important to the future of the business because it's still basically the same model that they use today. In a landscape overrun with terrible characters like The Goon and T.L. Hopper, the introduction of Waylon Mercy in 1995 was a refreshing change. Mercy was unlike anything else in the WWF at the time. He was a chilling character based on Max Cady from Cape Fear. In his debut promos, he was a soft-spoken southern gentleman who quoted the Bible, yet his actions in the ring would not match that attitude. The character was ahead of its time in many respects and influenced future characters like Bray Wyatt. His promos and demeanour owed a lot to Mercy's original gimmick. The man behind the Waylon Mercy character was Dan Spivey and he did an exceptional job. His promos were nuanced, the kind of softly spoken but menacing dialogue that sends a chill down your spine and he wrestled in a way that fit the character. Slow, methodical, but incredibly impactful. He ended up only having 10 matches on TV, with his career in the Federation coming to an end later in 1995. Spivey's physical condition was quickly deteriorating. He'd had a long career before taking on the role, and years of hard bumps had finally caught up with him. In a sense, the character was both ahead of its time and a victim of bad timing. It's a real shame that Waylon Mercy didn't get a proper run, because 1995 needed more exciting breakout characters like this one. In Your House 2 was in July, and it was a vast improvement over the first event. The opening match between the 1-2-3 kid and the roadie was decent, and the tag team match with Owen and Yoko facing Lex Luger and the British Bulldog was pretty good too. But the best match of the night, and one of the best matches of the year, was between Shawn Michaels and Jeff Jarrett. This match was for the Intercontinental Championship. Watching it back 28 years later, the match has aged really well. This was one of Jeff Jarrett's best matches of his entire career, 
and Michaels was in his prime as a performer too. This was during his first babyface era and he was super over with the fans. This was certainly one of the top matches of 1995 and well worth your time if you want to watch it back today. Shawn Michaels continued his run of excellence at SummerSlam in August. This edition of SummerSlam is still considered to be one of the most horrible pay-per-views of all time. Diesel vs King Mabel was the main event, which tells you absolutely everything you need to know. It is literally one of the worst championship matches ever committed to videotape. But there was one shining diamond in this turd of a show, and that was the Intercontinental title ladder match. The previous ladder match between these two at WrestleMania 10 had set a high standard for what could be achieved with a ladder, a wrestling ring and two of the best wrestlers in the world. In my opinion, this sequel was even better than the original. They did a fantastic job of using the ladder in creative ways. This is still one of the best ladder matches of all time. Amidst the blandness of the WWF in 1995, emerged one of the most outrageous characters in wrestling history. Vince McMahon designed Goldust with just that in mind. He wanted to cause outrage and get people talking. Unlike Waylon Mercy, Goldust was a character that would stand the test of time, and a big reason for that was Dustin Runnels himself, who despite some early reservations, absolutely threw himself into the role. Goldust was unlike anything that wrestling fans had ever seen before. They'd seen effeminate characters like Adrian Street before, but none were as dramatic as Goldust. The character was so ahead of its time that it would have probably fit in better during the Attitude Era. Goldust really unsettled fans at the time. At first they didn't know what to make of him, but he really started to push their buttons when the homoerotic aspects of the character came to the surface. Whatever you think about the character, he certainly provided something interesting to watch at a time when the WWF was often close to being unwatchable. Jean-Pierre Lafitte was a pirate. No surprises that during the era of lame gimmicks, Vince McMahon came up with something that was this basic. I mean, it was a better gimmick than a spaceman or a time-travelling tag team from the year 2000, but only just. Luckily, the man behind the gimmick was actually a really good wrestler. Carl Ouellette was a seasoned veteran who had appeared in various promotions before landing a job in the WWF. 1995 was a tough year for Bret Hart. He'd already won multiple championships and was loved by the fans, but this year he seemed to be stuck in some kind of purgatory. He was too valuable to be ignored, but he wasn't involved in the main event scene. And so, he got involved in strange feuds like this one. Luckily, the match that took place at In Your House 3 in September was by far and away the best thing on that card and one of the best matches of the year. Hart carried Carl Ouellette to one of his best ever matches too and easily his best WWF match. 
Bret Hart went on to face Diesel for the WWF title at the Survivor Series in November. Vince McMahon had, by this point, given up on Diesel as the champion and he wanted to get the belt off him as quickly as possible. Ironically, Diesel would have the best match of his championship reign on the night that he lost the title and it might actually be Kevin Nash's best ever match. It was a classic David and Goliath contest, but with some very inventive spots in between. This would be the end of Diesel's one and only WWF Championship reign, but a heel turn after the match would be a new start for him, for a few months at least before he left for WCW in 1996. Bret Hart completed a trilogy of amazing matches at In Your House 5, where he faced the British Bulldog. Hart had won the title the month before, putting an end to Diesel's abysmal runner's champion. Hart and Davy Boy provided the only bright spot on this card. In fact, this is easily one of the best matches to ever take place at an In Your House pay-per-view. And this wasn't a case of Hart carrying his opponent, Davy Boy was an equal partner in this one and put in one of his career best performances. The match didn't quite match the greatness of their contest at SummerSlam 1992, but it came close. What set this one apart was Hart's decision to blade. Seeing blood at a WWF event in 1995 was a rare thing indeed. This match was the silver lining to a crap pay-per-view and a crap year in general, but with this video, I hope I've identified 10 redeeming things worth checking out from that awful year. Let me know your favourite and least favourite moments from 1995 down in the comments.